0: Welcome to the latest in our podcast series, It's the People Stupid. I'm thrilled to be joined by Jessica Gould from WarrantyWise. Jessica is the Director of Retail Operations. So welcome, Jessica. Yes, thank you
1: so much, Anthony,
0: for having me. We're here to talk about the importance of training in the business. And training is such a an important topic for many businesses and is massively important in the the world of developing people and skilling people and making them ready for uh, changing workforce or or changing scenarios in the the workplace. Um, I wanted to spend some time with you today, Jessica, because I know that training is something that's very dear to you and it's something that you're passionately uh, a believer in. So could you maybe go through where you're love of training comes from and why you feel it's so important to you to begin with?
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, from I've worked at Warranty Wise now for, for over nine years. It's coming on 10 years. And I think when you don't have the training or good training, you can definitely get by, you know, you can definitely get results, mm. but how quickly you get those results or how your mindset can be completely different. It is what matters most to me. So I've been through a lot of training and some has been good and some hasn't been so good. And after you've had any form of training, it's not just what you learn, it's, it's how you're thinking after. So mm. I do think continuous training and promoting, promoting training as well not only helps yourself, but it will help your team leaders um, it can have a massive effect on results, morale. Um, so, yeah, there's a, there's an array of reasons of why I believe training is so important, um, not just in sales, um, but other aspects as well in business.
0: We'll definitely get into some of those, and thanks for that. And I won't the, – the, the good and bad is always interesting. We'll do no naming names <laughs> for uh, protecting people's identities. Uh, in this day and age, and particularly – we, we've all are well aware of the current economic challenges that we all face, the cost of living rise, the labour shortages in the marketplace, lots and lots of uncertainty around in terms of um, economic uncertainty. Businesses often have real challenges around spending money on things like training. Training is a, a big investment for a lot of businesses and it does cost quite a lot of money uh, for organisations to do. When it comes to trying to win that argument around showing there's a return on investment, what's your experience like of how you convince the people who hold the purse strings um, to, to to understand the value of training in the business? What what helps you to 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 win that argument?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question, and it, it's definitely true. I think. You know, if if somebody doesn't see the value in training and you tell them the cost, it's a big, what, how much? Mm -hmm. Um, But the point that I would get across the most um, in terms of training is what the end result is going to look like. So I'm in retail, so I'm in sales um, a lot. And how I would pitch that is this price, we can get that back with training and more. If you can, if somebody, say, converts 20% in sales from good training, that person can be converting 25%. If you can get 10 of your team members to be converting 5% more, the training's probably paid for itself straight away. So that's my point of how to get good training to, to be to be authorised and to go ahead, and I think, it, in, from not a sales perspective, even if it's you know um, HR training, you know um, customer service training, it's what are you going to get from that? So, what is that person who who has the training going to get from? what is delivered so even if it's been more proactive or more customer centric is that person going to get you more reviews in is that person going to handle customers more efficiently and effectively and therefore will then be able to pick up the phone a lot quicker or handle the customer a lot quicker so it's more the way that I get it through the door it's more of looking at the bigger picture and what we would expect after the training
0: and again, I guess in, you've hit a really good point there because some of it can be clearly evidence-based, but in some of those other areas, it's harder, I guess, to measure mm-hmm. the the value of training. You reference sort of customer services or HR, and I guess that falls into leadership and other areas where it's not necessarily as easy to quantify. Um, but you can see it through, as you say, I guess, reviews or improved referrals or retention rates of clients through through. Uh, that. what about the effect of the the training on the team so if we look at it from the other side how, how does the team sort of benefit and what do you see uh, the outcomes from your experiences when you've had some good training experiences
1: yeah definitely I think a um, really good question I think from the actual team's perspective it's it's obviously what they learn so it's the different tips and tricks but also it's It's what they get from it. It's the mindset. It's how they feel valued. Mm. So if they know that they're working for a company that provides training for them, then how will they talk about their company to the friends and the family? You know, would they recommend that company to to somebody else because they do get looked after? A lot of people, when training is provided externally, they value that really highly because they know that their employees are looking after them. So I think from a people perspective, One, they feel valued by the company and two they'll get something from that so if you've just had a 2 3 hour training session you come out of that and you're so ready to go you know you're ready to you're ready to sell or you're ready to speak to those people you're ready to do what you want to do and your mindset completely changes from when you came into that room to when you come out of that room so for the person it it has you know tremendous value for the person 100%
0: And I think that that representing that investment in people is so important. So a, a lot of businesses are starting to really understand that their people are a massive investment and as with any investment, you shouldn't just leave it alone to sort of Plow its own furrow and get on with itself. You need to nurture it. You need to manage it. You need to look after it. And that training piece forms a really big part of that and massively helps your reputation as a business. So fabulous. and so I, I absolutely share that. Could you maybe share some of the successes that you've had that you directly attribute to some training you've had? So not necessarily naming names, but just things that you've seen or experiences you've, um, you've had that have absolutely... You know, been down to the training you've done. Yeah,
1: of course. So we've had training before. So I'll speak about this on the sales side. And um, we've had training before, and it's been for say half a day. And we've been speaking about you know the the objection handling or closing deals or and and when you, it's funny because when you have the training, it's so obvious when you listen to it and you just think, well, yeah, that that's obvious. But how you're taking that in and how you're listening to it, again, it changes your mindset. And I'm a big believer in mindset. I'm a big believer in you only believe what you believe because of your limited belief in your head. Mm. So when we've had training before, and you know the salespeople, especially in a call center, they don't want to do training. You know they're coming in; all they want to do is just crack on with with their targets. Um, but when you go in when they come out is completely different so we've had times before where somebody say a new starter has come in you know they're struggling a little bit after training they can book a sale instantly it's crazy how many times after a training session somebody would just come upstairs and book a and book a warranty or even after say the objection handling training they had that exact objection that it was dealt with and it was handled in such a better way um (laughs) so you do get immediate results from from it and whether that's just because of the mindset change or the taking little bits of of the words you know the phraseologies that have been said or it instantly it instantly you get results straight away
0: that's interesting i mean when we were speaking earlier i I'd liken it to the fact that when I'm doing these, I'm very conscious that I fall into habits of words I use or phrases I use. And you do just become quite mechanical in that. I guess the training piece can make a big difference in terms of giving you that freshness and new tools, new ideas, new suggestions, new approaches, which refreshes that sort of tired old approach that some of us might have.
1: Definitely, and you're so right there, Antony. Because there's people in our place that have been here for two or three years, and you do you end up saying the same thing all the time because you've he- heard the same objection. You're doing the same pitch that you normally do. So when someone has had a training session, it's it's a good reframe and it's a good time to say, you know what, I'm going to say something a little bit differently. And it revamps it up and it does make you feel a little bit awkward when you're saying something new. But that's good because otherwise you get into a routine, your tone is boring, you know, you sound bored. But as soon as you've had a little bit of different advice or in a different direction, because you are a little bit nervous, which is a good thing, you're more aware of what you're saying. And you're more conscious of what you're saying. So your tone will completely change. You'll be sitting up a little bit more and you'll be really wary of what you're about to say. And that works. How you say things in your tone works. And your mindset again, that would be different. So yeah, it, it all adds up, even if it's even if it's not exactly what you've, you know, listened to in terms of if you haven't taken the exact advice, but just how you can say things differently and your your mindset that's that gets results
0: instantly itself. What about those people who are perhaps a bit more experienced? I always get people are confident. They feel they know they're doing a good job. <clears throat> they may be performing quite well. How do you get them to come on board with something along the lines of training? Because yeah, it's normal human nature. I'm, I'm hitting my numbers. I'm performing well. I don't need any training. How do you get them to get on board with what you're trying to do?
1: Oh, that is so true. So we do the 10, 80, 10 rules. So you've got your bottom 10% performers, you've got your 80% your performers, and then you've got your top 10 percenters. Uh, and usually, you know, they're self-driven, they're self-motivated, they need little management uh, and they just crack on and, and hit those numbers. You know, they, they know what they need to do and they hit it. Um, so when we've launched the training before, They are the prime example of the people that do not want to go in the training. And how I usually say it is, okay, well, do you know everything? Do you know everything? And usually the answer is no. I get a few yeses, but usually the answer is no. And then I say, well, this is an, a grand opportunity for you to learn something because if you're already converted at thirty percent, thirty-two percent, imagine just one percent more from the revenue that you make. What you could, what you could bring in. Imagine, Im, imagine, you know, the the conversations you can have if you just take a little bit of something from this training. And it, it's the point of opening their mind and opening the perspective to learn something new today because. No one knows everything. Everyone has an opportunity to grow. Everyone, everybody does. So um, once I've said that, they understand that then. And we've had times before where um, the top 10 percenters have had the training. And you know what? They've come back up and they've gone, yeah, I'm going to try that. And then the, the conversion does go up, and, which is amazing. And if you can get them on board, then it just ripples down. Everyone then wants to do it because everyone aspires to be the top 10 percent so um yeah it is difficult but once once they've taken a few things and, and implemented that then that, it's amazing
0: i guess part of that is that uh it's down to the quality of the trainer as well if the teams are getting value from good training and it's producing results of course the cynicism disappears because people become on you know fully engaged and on board with the mission of what you're trying to achieve what about experiences of bad training you referenced it earlier when we were doing the introduction that you've had bad training without naming names but take us through some of the less good experiences you've had and what the impact of those has been on either you or the teams who've been involved
1: Yeah, flipping neck. I think everybody's experienced bad training, haven't they? Um, But yeah, bad training for me is, I think a lot of people have experienced dreading coming into a training session and then through a training session, looking at the clock, yawning, looking at your friend, and you're just not engaged I think most people have and whether that's even internal or external because even internal training can be like that um external when you're paid for it is even worse but um for me powerpoints long powerpoints and the trainer talking for the whole training session personally to me is extremely boring and I switch off I've got to be engaged you know I'm a kinesthetic learner so I have got to do something hands-on and not everybody is just auditory you know not everybody is just visual so and that's why probably a lot of training places have a bad reputation because most people will come out and say well that was pointless and it's unfortunate really because training is so hard to do it's not just the case of looking at a powerpoint and reading the words anyone can do that It's there's an art to training there really is and um, if you're not enthusiastic and if you haven't got the tonality and if you haven't got the eye engagement and the body language you know that's not even saying any words that's just how you are as a person and if that trainer themselves are none of them no one's going to be engaged in them no one's going to want to watch a stranger say words that they think they can probably do better so um yeah I've had a lot of, of bad experiences with training um and it's un- like I said it is unfortunate but at the same time it's it's enlightening when you do get good training because then you stick with them people and you know you you'd always recommend them people And I, and I think with this day and age as well training is getting better I think people are starting to realise that you can't just speak for five hours straight. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some um, some bad cases of training that I've been through.
0: And, and how does that affect you? So when you've been there, so you've spent an afternoon looking at PowerPoint slides and someone talking at you, what's the impact post-training on you and your colleagues who've been through that? How does that affect you?
1: Well, being honest, you just come out of it and think that was a waste of time. It can be draining and you just think that was an absolute waste of time. I I would rather have just been working for five hours. And as the person that's arranged it, you're furious of how much you've paid for the feedback that you get back from the team. Mm. So I think all all around it will put a lot of companies off. If if a company does experience bad training, it it would definitely put them off because why would you want to? pay more money for another bad training session if all your team are saying that it wasn't good and they didn't really get much from it. So, yeah, it it doesn't just affect the person and it affects the future as well because mm. somebody probably wouldn't want to pay for that again or even try and take a risk and do it. So it, it does have a big effect.
0: Yeah, I guess it's much harder for you to win the argument next time round if it's not being good, there's no return and... There's a much more cynical argument amongst the, the business about the value of training. Definitely, 100%. On that basis, how do you go about selecting a good trainer? What, what is it you look for in a trainer or a training organisation that's going to help you go, I think these people or this person is uh, right for us?
1: For me, it's, it's genuinely recommendations. I think when you're looking around a lot of people can sell you that it's going to be the best training ever. Um, And a lot of people can tell you what you're going to learn, what's going to come out of it. But that's just, you know, that you don't know, you've not experienced that. So for me, when I'm looking around for somebody who can provide training, I want to meet the trainer first. And if I'm gauging from them that they're not passionate or that they're not really interested in the business or they're not asking the right questions, i would be put off them if they're just trying to sell me a bog standard training pack and um, that they do for every single business mm. i usually don't go with companies like that and um, because i feel my team wouldn't get as much from that training unless it was bespoke to warranty wise so when i am looking for a training provider i definitely want to meet the person it does take me a while but i definitely want to meet the person I want to see reviews, genuine reviews from that person as well. Um, I want to, I want some some of the team leaders to meet the training provider because it's them that's going to be in it,
0: hmm.
1: um, and definitely recommendations.
0: It's, I mean, it, it, it's a really hard world to make some of those decisions. We're surrounded by a trip advisor, trust pilot, mm-hmm. Glassdoor, whatever it may be in every market that so provides recommendations. So that physical meeting someone reference the word passion or passionate so genuinely interested in what they do and as you said earlier about people being engaged i that's to me is always a massive part of Mm -hmm. any successful training is that the the delegates in the training so your teams are engaged in whatever it is they're being trained in and are fully taking part in an event or uh, you know, a, 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 an experience, rather than that whole PowerPoint presentation style.
1: Oh, definitely. If I'd if I was looking for somebody and they said, "Oh, yeah, it's ten PowerPoint slides and it's this, and you get this literature," I'd be put off straight away. If they're saying to me. You'll do this. We'll have hands-on games. We'll have activities. We'll, you know, we'll be getting people to do the talking. We'll be doing role play, all of the fun stuff and all of the the creative stuff. That's what I'll be engaged in because you don't want, like I said, with the bad, the the bad training. What I would class as the bad training. You don't want people to be bored and coming out of there saying that was boring. So when yes, when you are speaking to training providers, I would definitely be asking the question of. What do you actually do and how is it actually provided? What does your training program actually look like?
0: And how do you go about, if you like, starting the journey of training? You're a busy business person. You're running a team. You've got targets. You've got budgets. You've got everything else you know normally going on in your life and training feeds into that so how do you set about thinking about where training fits in and what's your sort of journey to 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 get to that point of delivery if you like
1: I think with with how it starts is because I've been at Warranty Wise for so long I know what it's like to be a team member I know what it's like to be a a team leader, a line manager. So I know what it's like on every single level. And so I've been through every single journey in my mind of what looking back, I would have liked to have had. Mm. And I know from being, say, a sales executive, I would have liked to have had training in somebody else's opinion on how to sell. As a team leader, I would have loved training on how to efficiently lead a team. Um, So I think from the position I'm at now, I know the time is right when you've done all your budgets and you've done your forecasting and you're pushing your business as much as you can. Yes, the team are obviously going to get you there. And yes, you know, the management team are going to support everybody as much as possible. And we're all in it together. But you do need some help at some point. You do need somebody to to come into your business and share that extra bit of knowledge because, like I said, not everybody knows everything. Nobody does. So somebody external coming in and sharing a little bit of light on what area you want to push the most, that is so important for business growth. And if you're not in sales and if it is just customer service but your forecast is, oh, we're going to get, you know, 95% positive feedback, we're going to get, you know – or so many reviews, you know, we want this many customers calling in. Again, it's good for somebody external who is an expert in that area to share some more light because a lot of companies they all recruit from internally, and is usually understands the business and the business culture, but somebody coming in from the outside in mm-hmm. can add so much more value. So I think when I've looked at it and I've wanted to when I know that the training is coming is usually when I've looked at the budgets and I'm looking at the future. And I think, yeah, I can handle that month on month, but I'm definitely going to need some support. Um, even if I can see, say, I'll need five new team leaders in the next six months, I'll know that there'll be some training there. Mm. I know if our customer service department is going to double, I know that they'll need some form of training and extra support there. So I think, You do need to take a step back. And instead of just being in the moment and just thinking of that initial cost, you just need to look at the bigger picture and think where do I want to be next year? And then with that, then figure out what help you need to get there. Because it's a small investment for probably a big gain. And if if you know that you're going to hit that end result, you probably do need a little bit of help on the way.
0: It's your experience of going through everything in the business obviously feeds into that massively you've got the benefit of that as in comparison to someone who's maybe coming in new but i i particularly like what you said about the idea that getting some additional input um a former client friend and occasional colleague of mine um coined a phrase many years ago is it's impossible to be an expert in everything and and it is and occasionally that's you need to take the, the blinkers off and look and say I admit this, I need someone else to come in and help and either give a different perspective or some new impetus to something. So that freshness comes in with some new ideas.
1: Exactly. Not everybody knows everything. And somebody coming in and sharing new ideas... Honestly, it's it's unbelievable what it can do because you should always be learning new things. I do, I do believe if you stop learning, you just become stagnant as a company. You should always be progressing. You should always be wanting to grow. You should always be looking at the next level of your growth. Um, and a lot of that comes down to training and learning new things well, definitely.
0: No, I fully agree. I think even at my vintage, I constantly look for new ideas, new inspiration, new methods, techniques, whatever it may be. What about the, the pre-training, so you've got to the stage of, you know you need help, you've identified the areas where you particularly want help, you know who you're going to bring into those teams, you've got finally got the budget approval from finance to go and do that. How do you make sure then that the training is going to do what you want it to do? How do you prepare for that? What's important to you in that part of the journey?
1: You need to know what you want as if you're organising the training, you need to know exactly what you want and mm. you need to know what the outcome what you want the outcome to be. Like I said, it's easy for sales because you'll have an idea of what you want. But if it's not sales and if it's something else, you'll have an idea of what you want that person or the people to become after this and, and what, what feedback you want to get from that person. So definitely having the conversations with the training provider to let them know your goals mm-hmm. um, and your aspirations and what you're looking from this training. And once that's been set and they've agreed and you've agreed, personally i go into the training myself on that first training session i i want to go into that because i want to make sure that it wasn't all just talk and it wasn't you know yes we'll do this i want to make sure that it is what it was said and if it wasn't give feedback after it because if you're paying for training you want it to be right but you can't expect you just to say do training not give the trainer any advice or goals or aspirations and then say you didn't like it. You need to be really clear in what you are wanting and what you're looking for because without that, it's not the trainer's fault, it's it's your own fault for not giving the the right advice or, or enough clarity on what you're looking for. So, yeah, I think um, definitely pre that, make it very clear what you're looking for. Um, and I would also recommend definitely being in, Preferably all the training sessions, but obviously everyone's busy. So if if you are the one organising it, being in the first one, I I really do think would help. And always asking feedback from the team members after um, and asking for the trainers to provide feedback forms from the team as well. So you can get feedback from everybody, because if the first training session wasn't what, what was expected, that's okay. It's a learning curve. You can do it properly on the second one. Um, so yeah, that's that's a big thing for me. It's actually just communicating what you want first. I,
0: th- I think that clarity of purpose is vital. It is in anything that we 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 do in life. Just that real sense of we know what we're trying to achieve. I I absolutely get that. I also agree with the the buy-in from the senior team is important because it gives it the sense that people know that you're supporting their development. I have one interesting challenge maybe for you because I'm conscious of the fact that if the boss is in the room sometimes the team don't behave maybe Mm -hmm. as naturally as they would how do you try and make sure that if you're involved in that that people are I suppose not influenced to be polite or not say what they really want to say because you're there
1: so true very true and I think from when I went in I suppose it's every business is different and the relationship that a director or someone in senior management has with the team can be completely different Mm -hmm. so i suppose it's you know it's each each to their own i suppose but personally our culture at warranty wise we, we do all communicate you know the door is always open so All I would suggest to that is only really do go in if you have got that open communication with your team. If you know your team are not going to say a word and are going to be silent throughout because they are terrified that a senior manager or director is there, then it's probably not the best idea. Um, But I do think if you have got that right culture and it's an open culture and you promote people to talk, then. All I would suggest is when I went into the training, I did a little speech to begin with, and I just said to everybody, please, you know, utilize this, this has been paid for, for your growth, for your progression, this is all for you. So whatever you would like to say, and whatever you want to get out of this training, talk, you're not going to get in trouble, you know, it's It's this is an amazing opportunity. So please don't let one person hinder your growth and enjoy it, embrace it, listen to it, and yeah, have fun. And I think once you've kind of done that pitch to them, they loosen up a little bit more. Um, and the first person to say something a little bit on edge, you just ignore it and you just smile and you just nod and you let them you let them say what they want to say because it's at the end of the day, the team are in it more than anybody else. So their comments are very valid.
0: I, I fundamental to this is that cultural piece. Is that it? it's interesting? That's a totally separate topic, and we would definitely not have time to do that. But a culture of openness and honesty is going to enable your team to behave as normal. Definitely, experience would say to me if that culture doesn't exist, having the boss in the training can limit the effectiveness of the training without any doubt. And we've referenced about sort of follow-ups how do you follow up with the team what's important for you to then you've, you talked about getting feedback on the day and i get that i think that's always a valuable part but one of the things about training is obviously trying to embed those skills and trying to make sure that people don't have a spike reaction to the training perform well for a while and then fall off back into their old ways how do you sort of follow up with your teams post training and what do you do to try and make sure you've embedded some of these uh, new skills or new techniques into the team as a whole as a legacy
1: I think if you're as a company going to invest in training then there is no point in having training if your team leaders and your managers are not going to follow it up so it is vital that the team leaders and the managers follow this training up with the team you know train you could have an absolute amazing training session but you would only really take from it 20 30 percent of what's being said because it's a lot of information at once and the managers and the team leaders to follow that up in weekly catch-ups call coaching one-to-ones appraisals whichever or even just sitting by the side and listening into the calls there and then it's so important that the managers are accountable to make sure that they are constantly ensuring that this is embedded because like you said before people and the team that the creatures of Mm. habits they're used to saying something on the phone 50 times a day one training session isn't going to change their mind they might say it as soon as they come back up but then They'll get back into the old habit pretty quick, so it's a it's a manager's responsibility and team leader's responsibility to make sure that you're really truly embedding that training, and um, because otherwise, in a year's time, they're just saying exactly what they were saying to begin with. So yeah, it's, it's so so important that the the management and team leaders are just as on board as the team themselves to to follow it up.
0: And you you referenced actually physically following that through meetings, so making sure that you're using whatever your process or mechanisms in the business are to, to remind people and to tell people and to check that they are using the, the ideas and the methods that have been taught.
1: Exactly. Well, what we did, so yeah, we definitely did that. So we um, implemented it in the call coaching. Uh, we actually do group call coaching as well. So we pick a call at random, and then the whole team come into the boardroom and listen to a call. Um, so we're very on the ball with making sure our customer services is the highest it can be. Um, but yeah, definitely, I'd, I'd say with that, you've you've got to you've got to follow it up. We even got a little whiteboard for everybody um, and we got marker pens for everyone and their favourite points from the training and we got them to write it down so it was right in front of them um, to make sure that they were saying what they needed to say all the times because I, I do believe, you know, people – If you've got a a, a script, it's not going to work. You're not going to be authentically yourself. You're going to sound, again, a little bit bored on the phone. You're not going to be a human. So we got all the, the team to write down what they actually really liked from the training, put it all down, and then that's what they need to be looking at every day. And then they can rub it out and they can try something new. But again, keeping it fresh for them or even huddles in the morning, you know, we have group huddles every morning and we do refresher training and it can be for five minutes. But when someone walks in to the building at 10 to 9 in the morning and you don't know how their morning's gone. So again, it's a manager's responsibility to make sure everyone's mindset is ready to work, ready to give the best service levels possible for the customer, Then little five minute sessions, 10 minute sessions in the morning can just reset the ground. So it could be anything from what you've just had in the training, you know, whether it was opening a call or arranging a call back or closing a deal. And a refresher can have a massive impact on the whole day. So, yes, it's the team's responsibility to make sure that they're doing it. But it's definitely the manager's responsibility to constantly be recapping it all the time.
0: That's fantastic. You've just given me, I've got a visual picture in my head of in a group uh, doing a, an appraisal of someone's cold call to really, you know, everyone living and breathing that. And that's what, I guess, that's what you're paying for. That's going to leave the legacy that is getting a return on investment because you're using the techniques and the ideas and bouncing off one another and picking things that people like to do. one way as opposed to someone doing another way. That's brilliant. I love hearing Mm -hmm. about that. That's fantastic. Uh, One of the things that I'm really aware of, and I think most people are, the last two and a half years have been uh, life-changing in in so many different ways. And the business environment has changed massively Um, uh, from a lot of face-to-face meetings to hardly any face-to-face meetings to people buying in person to buying online or buying on the phone. How do you think training helps keep your teams able to fit within, I guess, an agile marketplace? How does does training help them become more agile in adapting their skills to a world that's changing around them all the time?
1: Definitely. I think it's with with training and everything going on and one minute you're working from home and then the next minute you're coming into the office it, it is really difficult and especially in say a call center environment or an environment where everybody's close-knit it can be really difficult to arrange and getting everybody together and on board I personally training over zoom I find that so much more difficult because you don't you can't see someone's body language and you can't see if they're fully engaged. And I think that genuinely, I think that was a real difficulty when we did have to work from um, work from home. I think that was really difficult. Personally, for me, face to face is where you get the most interaction with training. But I think with Zoom, and then if you have to do Zoom, you've got to be creative. And I think making sure that you, you've always got consciously in the, in the back of your mind, is that person engaged? You, you you have to just be more innovative and make sure that within these training sessions online, you're doing what you can do and you're getting them involved more. And you're probably speaking a lot less and getting them involved 10 times more than what you would do face to face. But yeah, I think through through our period, we've been quite lucky really because You know, when we have to social distance and and do all of that, we've got a big enough space to still do training face-to-face. So we have been quite lucky in that aspect, to be fair.
0: It's interesting. I wanted to move on to what you think the future of training is because we've seen a huge rise in online training. Um, Undoubtedly, it's successful because otherwise people wouldn't be continuing to do that. I, I I'm more inclined to you in the fact that I think face-to-face delivers a lot more because of the ability as a human being to see reactions better and to be in the room with someone you you know we have a brain that's evolved over many 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 years uh, to give us those instincts uh, but online training has definitely worked for other people as well where do you see the future of training in terms of its relevance to you but also how do you think it might evolve over the, the forthcoming years
1: I honestly think, yes, you're right, online training it is getting more popular and it is, you know, it's I suppose it's good because you could get a really, really good trainer that's on the opposite side of the country and it is more convenient and you can you, you can do that and it is more time efficient and you can still be creative with it and I, I get that. Um so yeah, I do think the future is going to be more online. Um, but at the same time, I don't think face-to-face will ever go. I really don't because there's so many industries and there's so many companies out there that value that face-to-face interaction. And there's so many companies out there that have had good training and would want it to be face-to-face. I'm one of those. If I'm providing team training, I would want a person there in front of me. If I was to provide maybe training for two people then, yeah, to me, online is fine because you can get quite a lot out of that. Um, but group training, for me, I still believe face-to-face is, is, is the better way of doing it, personally.
0: Yeah, I think I'm in agreement with you on that broadly. I think <clears throat> technology is amazing. We know how it's transformed over uh, lots of things over the last few years. Uh, my experience of sitting on long Zoom Calls or Zoom Zoom meetings or Zoom workshops is that it really is very draining. Um, you need to keep it short. You need to keep it punchy. You need to keep it very um, interesting. Uh, and I think face to face alludes to that far far better. And from your point of view, is training still going to be a key part of you in terms of what you see as your growth in the business and you're growing your team is it going to play a central part in in your future
1: i think as long as we are growing 100 yes and um, as i said before it's it's so important that you know that you don't know everything and you will need help at some point within um you growing as a business so whether it's sales training whether it's leadership training whether it's hr training customer service training there is always going to be a department that will need support in the future. And again, they want to feel invested in as a person. So 100%, yeah.
0: Great stuff. Well, thank you very much indeed for that, Jessica. It's been really great to listen to your experiences and thank you for sharing everything with us today. Before we go, we always ask our guests to finish the sentence. So, Okay. (laughs) So I'm now picking for you, literally at random. So... Finish the sentence. The last meal I cooked
1: was. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is going to flipping paint a picture for people, isn't it? The last meal I cooked was a full English breakfast.
0: (laughs) Fantastic. Wow. So the full works.
1: The full works. Mine is black pudding. I don't have black pudding, but hash browns. Beans, toast, eggs, bacon, sausage, full shebang.
0: You're making me very, very hungry. I, I do
1: go to the gym, by the way. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> don't have them all the time.
0: <laughs> Fantastic, and because it's we try and do things fairly, I also have to have a question to answer, which is randomly selected. So, finish the sentence. My inspiration in business is my dad strange enough he was he was always told me he wished he'd run his own business and he was a very successful business person and he worked for a big brewery and did very well but his whole thing was he wished he'd done something himself which inspired me to go out and set up businesses and do things like that so definitely my inspiration a nice easy question
1: that's a much better question than mine (laughs)
0: no i'd have been very happy with the last meal i cooked i do plenty of cooking (laughs) haven't done a full english breakfast for a long time to be fair so fantastic well jessica thank you very much indeed for sharing everything with us today that was absolutely brilliant and really inspiring and enjoy the rest of your day thank you
1: thank you so much